you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. this morning. It was a two before to the head, but it was not wielded by anyone. It just happened to be that she was at the wrong place at the wrong time, and um, a stack out in the north building decided to fall on her head and uh, send her to the hospital. But she's here and still standing and still worshiping God today. So, 
So thank you to all of you who have been working this week and helping us get things back together. And I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord. Our Wednesday night, our Wednesday night having to be canceled. And um, uh, I don't plan on doing that uh, too often, but we had to do that. The place was torn apart. But your willingness to understand and to come and help uh, is so, so very appreciated. And I want to mention Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, is what we call mid-awakening prayer. That is the, the point that those that have started on the 40-day journey of consecration have met the midway point, and those who maybe have not yet joined us, uh, this is a good stepping in point, Saturday night. That's the midway point, 21 days until uh, our communion service here, and uh, it's a good time for you to step on board with 21 days of consecration. So be here on Saturday evening, 6 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary. We're going to be praying. We're going to be worshiping God. And I believe the Lord is going to show up in a powerful way at our mid-awakening prayer. Last prayer meeting, we had over 100 people here. I think we could have 150 here on Sunday, on Saturday night. And just believe God's going to do powerful things. And if you're not on board, get here. We have some we have some journals that my wife and uh, Sister Chelsea and Sister Cheryl worked so hard on. Uh, and we have these, these journals available to you. And you can pick one of those up on Saturday night. And it's a daily journey through the next 21 days. And you'll be blessed by it. How many of you have been blessed already by what you have done in the 40 days of consecration? Amen. I feel it in the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30, if you have your Bibles. You've been standing a while, so let me read these five verses, and I'll let you be seated, and then hopefully you'll preach with the preacher this morning. Proverbs chapter 30, and begin with verse number 24. Proverbs chapter 30. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet go forth all of them by band. And verse 28, the spider taketh a hold with her hands and is in the king's palaces. Today, I'm going to stop there. Today, I'm going to begin a two-week series. I, I don't do this too often, but I'm having mercy on you today. I started studying, and this message just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Normally, I preach with about 10 pages of notes, whether you know that or not. There's a little insight. I have about 10 pages of notes, and by the time I finished in the wee hours of this morning, I had about 20 pages of notes, and I said, Lord, have mercy. How am I going to help these people out of this? So I'm going to break this message into two parts. So we're going to preach part one today. Be back next Sunday. We're going to preach part two. Is that all right? God, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon my heart and in my spirit. I pray over this congregation now that the words that come forth 
from your word speak into the hearts and lives of every person in this room. God, I pray your spirit and your power transform us and transform our thinking. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. As you're seated, tell your neighbor, we need the wisdom of small things. There be four things which are little upon the but they are exceeding wise. Now, today we're going to cover, I'm, I'm just going to give you in the onset what we're going to cover today. We're going to cover the first two of the four things that I read this morning, and that's because the brain can only comprehend what the seat can endure. My mama told me that a long time ago. My dad was a pastor. My mom used to tell my dad often, 30 minutes is long enough for a good sermon and too long for a bad one. I'm glad you laughed and didn't say amen. So today we're going to cover the first two small things that bring us great wisdom. Now, those of you that have been around the church many years know that we did a journey through Proverbs uh, about eight years ago. and. In doing so, we walked through uh, the entire book of Proverbs, and I, I love to draw from it, and we, I taught through the entire book of Proverbs, but in order to, to teach through Proverbs in 52 weeks, understand I was taking about 45 minutes on a Wednesday night and trying to teach an entire chapter that is packed so full of powerful wisdom that it is really impossible to dig deep, so a lot of the teaching was only scratching the surfaces of what really was deep within the Holy Scripture. And so as I go back, I've had several people ask me if I would consider teaching that again. And I don't know, maybe someday we'll go back to that again. But uh, I, I do want to reach back this morning into this text in Proverbs that begins to give us some wisdom. This whole, the context here of the text, it's important to understand the context of the text. And in the context of the text, the writer is breaking into um, a series of series. And so it is saying two things, four things, three things that are powerful. And here in Proverbs 30 and 24, it begins to say four things which are little upon the earth, but are exceeding wise. So therefore there is a there is a surprise that is packed within the teaching of Proverbs 30, 24 through 28. And that is that things that seemingly are insignificant have a great deal of wisdom in them and can teach us some very, very powerful and profound things. And so today as we cover through the first two small things that the Bible calls them, I want you to understand first and foremost that great wisdom can come in small packages. 
It's, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not the matter of the size of the package of wisdom, but sometimes it can be very seemingly insignificant events and happenings or words that are spoken, but if you will ponder them and look for them, you will find a great deal of wisdom that are packed within the, the confines of of just a few words or just um, a few actions. It, it is wisdom to learn from the details. Everybody say details. Learn from the details. You can tell a person that is on pursuit uh, of wisdom for they are not just looking at the surface, but they are paying attention to the detail, the, the difference uh, they say in those who succeed, many in, in, in school struggle with mathematics and the reason for the struggle in mathematics are language, uh, either one. Uh, both are because you have to pay specific attention to details. Sometimes I receive a text from somebody and I read through the text and I get a whole different meaning than what was intended because there was a missing comma. Or there was a missing period at the end of an intended sentence, but it read on and gave a completely different meaning. Or in mathematics, it is that if you don't pay attention to the detail, one decimal point can mean the whole dollar. A comma in the wrong place in your checkbook can really I know what I'm talking about. It is wisdom to learn from the details and the small things that most overlook. If you want to grow in wisdom and you pray for God to give you wisdom, you must engage yourself in the practice of pursuit of wisdom. And wisdom is not found by painting with broad brushes, but wisdom is found in the detail, if you want to understand the scripture, you cannot just read through blindly. But the power of scripture is understood when you read the text in context. But you weigh on the, the words of the text and allow the small words. Sometimes it is the smallest of words that bring the most powerful meaning. In life, sometimes it is the smallest of things, the smallest of, 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 of events. And here in our text, it is the small things that bring about great wisdom. I, I thank God for people who seek great wisdom. Wisdom is a gift from God. If you ask him, the Bible said that he will give you wisdom and all wisdom comes from him. You don't get wisdom in college, you get education in college. Great difference between wisdom and education. Education is what you learn, it is the knowledge. Wisdom is knowing how to use that knowledge. A wise person knows how to use what knowledge they have. You may not have great education, but great wisdom, because you know how to apply what you know. Here in our text, the Bible said there are four things with Great wisdom. Everybody say great wisdom. There are four things 
little things with great wisdom. And the first that it points out is the ant. In the 25th verse, it says that the ants are a people. So understand that the text here is not literally talking about an ant. What it is talking about here is a comparison. If you look here at the text, the ants are a people. Now, you see this in the text. It is not describing. It's, this is not a lesson uh, on the biology of ants uh, or on the history of ants. As a matter of fact, it is describing people as an ant. What it is telling us is use the eyes that God has given us to look at the ant, to pay attention to, to, to dwell upon the ant, to study the ant. And it describes here in our text that this is not about an ant at all, but the ants are a people. Everybody say the ants are a people. That means me and you, the ants are a people not strong. And so it is speaking of a, of, of a person that is not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 6 speaks to the ant and it tells us go to the ant and consider his ways, O sluggard. It is speaking to those who are lazy, prone to laziness, and it tells us to go and to go to the ant and consider the ant, pay attention to the ant and study or consider its ways. And it will, if you do so, it will deliver you from being sluggish or a sluggard. The wisdom of the ant is that they lay up for the winter in the summer. Ants prove that great things and great wisdom can come from small things. They, they work, the ants work while they can. Remember, the ants are a people. They, they lay up for the winter. If you, if you want to gain wealth in your life and, and God blesses you with something, and as soon as you get a few dollars, it starts burning a hole in your pocket and you go have to blow it uh, and, and spend it on things that don't really matter. When difficult and hard times come, you're not going to have any, any way to get through. This is the principle that is being taught here. The ants lay up for the winter when work is difficult, when work is hard for them. They lay up, they they. they get more than they need today because they know hard times will come. The ants prove this wisdom that of working while they can. See, here's, here's the idea that the text, because the ants are a people that are not strong. Say not strong. The ants are a people, that's us, not strong. And here is the idea or the philosophy of the wise teacher here in our text. You, you may be more talented than me, but you can't outwork me. This is the, this is the idea here. My, my work ethic is not up to you or not up to anybody else. My work ethic is up to me. You may be smarter than me, but you can't work harder than me. 
because that's a decision that I make. Now, nobody's going to like this from the inset this morning, but the Bible is tell us, telling us to go and consider because there is wisdom in the ant. The ants are a people not strong. What I'm trying to, to share with you this morning is that nobody is born lazy. This is, this is just a simple little message this morning. Nobody is born lazy because you, 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 somebody has to learn to be lazy. And unfortunately, it, it can be easy to learn to be lazy. Our, our survival instincts teach us to work. We are born survivalists. The baby reaches for its first, first breath of air and it, it tries to survive. It, it looks for its meal. It searches. It is looking for survival. It is fighting within the human body, within the human instinct. Uh, we are taught to work, to reach for, uh, to survive. But, but we learn very quickly. We learn how to survive with the least amount of effort. This is where the problem comes. We learn how to survive with the least amount of effort. The ant is the pattern by which God tells us to look when it comes to work ethic. Now, I'm not going to stay here too long. Stay with me for a few more moments. The Bible tells us to consider this earthly pattern of heavenly things. If you want to know about work ethic, watch the ant. The ant is the pattern that we ought to try to, to, to pattern our life after when it comes to work ethic. The, they, they bring forth in the summer for the winter. They bring forth in times of plenty to lay up for the times of hardship and struggle. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I want to be prepared. All right? Tell your other neighbor, I want to be prepared. The ants teach us that preparedness must be a priority. We've got to be prepared for everything that, that we uh, deal with with everything in life, there is a sense of needing to be prepared. The ant is a preparer. They are prepared for what is coming next because here is the idea and the application to our life. You will never go further than you have prepared yourself to go. You're never going to go further than what you've prepared yourself to go. Too many people want great things to happen, but few people want to prepare for it to happen. See, a lot of people want to, you know, we, we complain. We complain about how much the doctor charges, but we don't want to go through that, that 12 years of college that they have to go through to get to where they are. It's the preparedness. We have to be prepared if we want to go. Ants are conservative opportunists. They scavenge on what others leave or discard. 
they find they find it laying already. I, I grew up in the deep south, and uh, in in Texas, I'm just going to say this to you: uh, if if I taught this lesson in Texas, people would be would be they'd be scratching right now. The reason is is because they have what is called fire ants. Anybody know what a fire ant is? Y'all don't have fire ants in Indiana. I've heard people talk about them until they red, big, look like they're about to pop. Now you hadn't had a fire ant. When you see that fire ant mound on the ground and you're out playing as a kid, you, you learn very quickly. Mom and daddy don't have to tell you but one time to stay out of the ant bed. Because that ant hill is over there and you're out playing ball and they pass you the football and you just happen to take a dive and roll through the ant bed. I don't know how it happens, but mysteriously, you can just, you can't even get close to an ant bed till all of a sudden those things swarm up out of there and all over you. My, my dad used to have a way of dealing with those ants. He would take a long stick and he would get up near and he had a gas can close to him and he would stir the ant bed and then he would, but before he did it, he would pour a ring of gasoline around because he said they won't cross that and then he gets outside the gas ring and he would stir the ant bed and by the time he just stirred and lifted the stick, that stick would just be covered with hundreds or thousands of fire ants. Let me tell you, if those things touch you, they start stinging you will leave everything, including your shoes. They, you can tear that ant bed down. You can run over and tear that ant bed down, leave it and come back a few hours later, and the ant bed will be larger than the one you tore down. Not because one is there working, but because there's many. Mm -hmm. That's what it looked like around here on Sunday night if you were here. We were up here worshiping, praising God, and the music's going, and we've baptized two or three people around here, and I, somebody starts motioning down. I looked down and saw a little water down here. I looked away, and people are trying to get my attention. I look back over, and out from under the speaker, I see water, and I see the water beginning to flow. And then I see people start backing up over in here. Next thing I know, people in suits and ties and nice dresses done kicked off their shoes. They done found towels and mops and squeegees and, and shop vacs. And to work they went. People were working around here. Everywhere you looked, that water didn't have a chance. People were going, they looked like, a, they looked like it looked like somebody done stirred, the devil done stirred the ant bed. All of a sudden, people went to work. If you were around here this week, you know what I'm talking about. I was, we, we tried to organize and plan and prepare for Wednesday night. We knew a lot of people were going to come, so we, we, we actually do a little work around here once in a while. And we, we had prepared and, and, and we had laid out uh, uh, this, this, this person's going to do this and this, that, and this over here. And this one's going to lead this. We're going to get all this. And, and we have so many hands coming and my phone's blowing up and people saying, Pastor, can I be there? Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. I, I just made a little statement bragging on God about three being baptized this last week. And, and we were just celebrating that. And I mentioned it and, and put a little 10 second or so video clip. 
on social media uh, of, of people around here working and mention the water. By, by Within the matter of just a few hours, my phone and text message and emails started coming through with churches all around us, within the churches an hour away from us saying, Pastor, I got a team of people ready to come to Frankfurt to help. People calling, do you need anything? Is there anything we can do to help? Can we come and help you? I got people ready to come. Let me tell you about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God rallies around. Come on, we're a people that may not be strong, but look out because when one little issue arises, people come out of the woodwork. People that you don't even know of show up and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to lift you up. When you think you're all alone and you're wetting your pillow with tears at night, you need to just look around and consider the end because as soon as somebody knows that a brother or a sister is in need, prayer begins to go up. It's like a swarming of ants because people are saying, you may be down, but you're not going to be down long. I've never seen anything quite like the, the people of God. Ants are conservative opportunists. They look for the opportunity and they're always preparing themselves. The only reason that I can find that an ant can move things several times their size, listen, when you, when you are studying the ant, it is amazing. How can an ant move things several times their size? Have you ever looked at it? There will be a cutting of a leaf. I have literally seen a piece of candy fall on the ground. And those of you that really do know about fire ants know that piece of candy hits the ground. Don't pick it up and put it in your mouth. You're going to have about three ants on it already. You sit there in a few minutes, that thing is surrounded. That, that drop of food on the ground, it will be surrounded with ants. And the next thing you know, that big object will begin to move. You, you, you don't see one ant moving it, but they work as a colony and they can move things that are larger than themselves. I've seen a single ant take things that are several times their size and they're moving it alone. The only reason that I can find that the ant can move things several times their size and several times their weight is because God is behind them. Mm -hmm. I want this to sit in the ant or a people not strong, but when God be for us. I wish somebody would get a hold of this today and understand when I am weak then. Mm -hmm. Then I am strong. When you think you're strong, you're not going to make it very far. But as soon as you understand in my weakness, alone comes the help of God and lifts me up. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Come on, you can't do it on your own, but by the help of God, you, God is behind me. God is working. If you will go to work, God will work with you. Your neighbor, God is on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I 
got to hurry today. The second small theme that is full of wisdom is described here as the Connies. The Connies, a very interesting word. It doesn't take much research now. We have things at our fingertips. The Connies are, it says, a feeble folk. That's how it describes it. The Connies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rock. They are a feeble folk, but make their houses in the rocks. Now, the very word, stay with me just for a few more moments here. The very word coney or conies comes from a Hebrew word, and it means the hider. The hider or one who hides. Now, strange that the Bible talks about the feeble folk being the hider or one who hides. Now, the name literally translates into English as rabbit, which is kind of unique, the rabbit. But the conus is is not of the family of mammals that we know of in America as a rabbit. Not at all. As a matter of fact, they're not even related to the rabbit. The conies uh, are an animal which inhabits the mountain gorges and the rocky districts of Arabia, Petra, and the Holy Land region. It is a mammal about the size and the color of a rabbit. It has the appearance perhaps of a rabbit, though it is much clumsier in structure. It is without a tail to help with its balance or climbing ability. Its feet are not formed for running like a rabbit, and it has the resemblance of a mole, but it does not have feet designed for digging like a mole. Therefore, it has its home in the burrows and in the clefts in the rocks around Petra, the Holy Lands, throughout Arabia and that Holy Land region. Thus, the scripture says that the conies, we're not talking about them at all, but we're describing this strange creature that is very small. And we're finding great wisdom in the small things. And we are typing it to a people who were feeble. There is wisdom in this because of the feebleness of the conies. You see, the rabbit, if it would be a rabbit like we know, the rabbit survives because he can run fast. And he can outrun the enemy, but the conies can't run. They have no ability to run. All they can do is cling to the rocks. Its feet are not made for digging or for running, but it's made for grabbing a hold and holding on with a tenacity that others know nothing about. It grabs it and holds on. 
specifically the rock faces. It has a unique ability of finding of finding its very small, detailed toes to, to reach into the crevices and cracks in the rock and draw in close and hang on for dear life. Now, they look like they're related to the mole, but the mole, when it is in danger, digs deep. But the conies can't dig because the conies' hind legs are feeble. That's why the comparison of the conies to feeble folk, because it looks like it ought to be able to, to function like a rabbit, but it's feeble. On the outside, you would not look at the conies and think, oh, the conies, oh, look at them. They, I wouldn't dare. They, they could probably... They, they, they can run like a rabbit. They can dig like a mole, but neither is the feeble folk. See, this is, this is the issue about a lot of us. We see somebody and we say, well, they look like everything to me. On the outside, they look like everything is good. They show up to church on Sunday with their family. But you don't know what they've been through all week. They show up to prayer meeting on Saturday night and they come in and they're praying and seeking God and God's moving on them and you think, whoo, they must be awfully spiritual and just walk around in a spiritual haze with heavenly things happening. But you don't know what they go through in real life. See, you don't know what it's like when they feel like they need to run but they, they can't keep up with everybody else or when they feel like they need to burrow deep but they have no ability to dig. Here they are. All they can do is just cling to the rock. When troubles come, the conies can't outrun the enemy because it's born with a handicap. When the rabbit runs and the mole digs, all the conies can do is find a place deep into the rock where it can position itself and just hold. One of the great dangers to the conies are the eagles and the falcons and the vultures that would come down because they can get to them while other creatures can't even get to where they are. You see, they are in a, a spot that is high up on the mountain and, and they, are, they, they, they get there away from other predators. It is not the snake that they have to contend with because they can, they can get to elevations, they can climb up and get to places to remove them from certain dangers, but then there is still the danger from the power of the air that would come in and swoop down and get to them. So the only chance of survival that it has is to find a broken place in the rock and to get into the crevice of the rock so that when the eagle comes and swoops down, he can't get to where they are because they are clinging to the crevice in the rock. When the rabbit runs and the mole digs, all that the conies can do is find a place in the rock to hold on. Some of you, 
perhaps have been trying to run. But I came this morning to tell you, you weren't made to run. The people of God ought to never run scared. We have a name that is above every name. We have a power that is above all power. We may be a feeble folk, but I come this morning to tell you that there's power in just grabbing a hold, anchoring yourself into the rock and declaring, let the prince of the power of the air come and do all he wants to do. But I found myself into the crevice of the rock and I will hold on for dear life until he comes to rescue me. Others, others have been trying to dig and to claw your way to safety, but you weren't made to, to dig and to claw and to fight your way out of it. The Connies has no ability to fight it. If they're ever captured, they're, 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 they're a sitting prey with no ability to fight back. They, they have no claws. They have no, they, they have no way of, of, of fighting back. They're 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 only chance of survival is to depend on the protection of the crevice in the rock. Some of you have been trying to fight for everything in life. You've been clawing and fighting for years in your life thinking that you're going to find somehow you're going to be accepted. Somehow you're going to be exalted. Somehow you're going to find yourself lifted up. Somehow you're going to get to a place where the enemy stops attacking you and your home and your family and your mind. Somehow you think you're going to fight your way or you're going to educate yourself in a way or you're going to get enough money or you're going to get enough position or you're going to get enough power where you are going to be away from harm. But I come to tell you that the only way a child of God is going to find what you are looking for is to get real close to the rock and just sink yourself in and grab a hold with everything you you have and let the Lord fight your battle. Come on, somebody knows the name of that rock. Somebody knows that he was the rock that the builders rejected. He was the stone that the builders rejected. He was the rock that followed the children of Israel because every time the Bible talks about a rock or a stone, it is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ that will do his fighting for you. Come on, somebody. You may find yourself feeble and weary and worn, but you don't need to fight in this battle. Just hold on. Pastor, the storm's raging. Just hold on. Ah, You don't know what I'm dealing with. Just hold on because there's safety and there is provision in the rock. You'll find everything you need in the cleft of the rock. I won't be much longer. You have a handicap. Maybe you started too late in life. But you have the ability to hold on. You have a handicap. Maybe you never finished your degree. But you have the ability to hold on. You have a handicap. Maybe you felt like your family fell apart and it wasn't your fault. And now you're a handicap. Just hold on. Because even when Job lost everything he had, the Lord gave it back to him. 
and he gave it back to him better than he ever had it from the beginning. You tried to run, but you couldn't run fast enough to get uh, to get anywhere. God sent me to tell somebody today that every one of us have a handicap. We hide it behind our cloak, behind our suit and tie, behind our pretty dresses, behind our God bless you and our smile. But everybody in this room was born with handicaps and hang-ups uh, and things that haunt you and haunt us every day of our life. But nobody can keep us from grabbing on to the rock uh, because God is made a way for every one of us. Uh, if it wouldn't be for the Lord who was on my side, I couldn't fight for myself, but I could hold on. I couldn't run fast enough, but I could hold on. I couldn't find my way out. It was dark in my, but I could hold on. Somebody get on your feet today and give God a shout of praise because you're going to survive, but you've got to position yourself in the rock. Come on, you ought to thank God that you have positioned yourself in the church. Position yourself in the kingdom of God. Position yourself in a place of strength, in the cleft, in the rock. I don't have the power to fight back, but I'll let the rock protect me. It's the only way I can survive. And when God gets ready to send a wave of glory, oh, somebody needs to just reposition themselves and say, I'll step out of the crevice and get in the position where he can flow upon me. I close this morning with the idea that the Connies knows how to position itself. Somebody say positioning. Maybe you need to say it like this, reposition. The Connies know how to reposition. People are going to come at you and you're going to have to reposition yourself to a place of strength. Life is going to come at you. You've got to reposition yourself to a place of strength. And when the blessings of God begin to come down, when the sun begins to shine, all you've got to do is just reposition yourself for the glory of God to come down and let him fight for you. Let him fill you. The enemy can't kill you because you're hidden in the rock. But all you've got to do is reposition yourself wherever you are this morning. If you are in the overflow, or if you, in the, if you are in the darkness, hidden in the crevice of the rock, trying to just survive every day. God sent me this morning just to remind you that you can reposition yourself. If you need safety, reposition yourself. If you need to be in the overflow, just reposition yourself. Because you're not at the wrong place at the wrong time. You're right where God wants you to be. And he's waiting on you to reposition yourself. God's not going to reposition you. You've got to position yourself. You want God to work in your life, you've got to position yourself. God's not going to force you to the altar. God's not going to force you into consecration. God's not going to force you into repentance. You've got to do some things for yourself. You've got to make up in your mind that I'm going to do it for myself because I know that if I do for myself what I can do, God will do for me what I cannot do. 
say whatever you want to. But as for me and my house, I'm going to let the Lord fight for it. I'm not taking up fights on social media. I'm not taking up fights for everybody that calls me out, everybody that wants to say something negative against me. God bless you. Go ahead on and do whatever you want to do. I'm just going to hide myself in the crevice of the rock and position myself when God begins to send the rain to get the rain in due season and get the sun in due season and get whatever God has for me on this Sunday morning. I'm just going to reposition myself. I'm not staying where I am. I'm going through a difficult time, through a hard time. I just come with a word this morning to tell you you've got the tenacity to hold on just just hold on pastor it seems like it won't stop just hold on just hold on just hold on better days are coming just hold on I feel like giving up just hold on it won't stop pastor just hold on come on look at your neighbor and tell them let's just hold on come on we're gonna hold on if I just hold on help is on the way if I just hold on. Come on. Take somebody by the hand and walk them to the front of the room today and tell them, come on, we're going to go hold on. We're just going to hold on. We're grabbing a hold and holding on today. I can't do much else. I don't have words. I don't have ways or means, but I got the ability to hold. I'm going to hold on. Come on, brother. I'm holding with you. Come on, sister. I'm holding with you. I'm holding on. Come on, position yourself. Position yourself this morning. There's a cleft in the rock for you. Come on, just hold on. Come on, he will hide you in his pavilion. I'm not turning back now. Come on, turn this place in, into a prayer room right now. Don't just come forward, but come forward talking to God this morning and declaring, I'm holding on. I'm holding on. I'm holding till you come. I'm holding till you come. I'm going to wait on you, I'm not turning. Come on, seek the Lord right now. All over this room, just seek the Lord right now. I'm not. I'm not turning. Come on, there's help for you. There's hope for you today. I'm gonna wait on
here's what we're going to do this morning. We have some this morning that need special prayer. Sister Kelly Newcomer is not here this morning. As many of you know, her mother passed away this week. That family is dealing with grief and sorrow and pain. But we, the church, are going to bombard heaven this morning. And we're going to ask God to send angels to where she is to comfort her and lift her up and strengthen her. Brother Ben, I see you back there this morning. Brother Ben has gone through so much. His mother-in-law passed away this week. We're going to pray for you, Brother Ben. We're going to hold you up before the Lord this morning. Amen. And your family. Maybe others in this room have situations in your life. You just want to throw a hand up right now and say, Pastor, I need that this morning. I need the help of the church. Some some that are still dealing with grief this morning. Other hands, I don't know what all of these needs are about this morning. I want you just to link up with somebody right now and let them know. Let them know, God, we're going to, we're, we're going to, we're going to, believe God together. We're going to believe God together. Come on, he's going to be strength. Come on, let's pray together right now. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray. I pray the strength of God for my brother and my sister this morning. God, I pray that you give them the energy, courage, and strength. My Lord, the enemy would come against them, but God, I pray you strengthen them. Let them feel the prayer and love of the church right now. Strengthen them right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. My God, strengthen them right now for every situation right now, for those dealing with sorrow and grief, for those right now going through pain and agony, for those dealing with sickness, God, and they don't know what to do, for those dealing with relational issues that they just don't know how to handle. God, we're going to agree together with them right now. The enemy is going to be put to flight right now in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree strength and wholeness and help right now in the name of